We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, everyone? This is Adam Mades from DNVR, excited to talk to you about American financing. Everyday bills are high, and everything is still very expensive, which is why, if you own a home, I want you to call our friends at American Financing. Interest rates are lower than they've been in a long time. They're saving their customers, on average, $854 a month by tapping into their home's equity and wiping out high-interest credit card debt. Their salary-based mortgage consultants are in it for you. Their job is to save you money. Call American Financing and tell them DNVR sent you today, and you may be able to delay two mortgage payments. That's 303-695-7000, 303-695-7000, or go to AmericanFinancing.net slash DNVR. Running the option on first down. Hagan has it. He has room. McKinley Wright Welcome in to the DNVR Buffs podcast presented by In We Go. I'm Henry Chisholm, and uh, today we're talking about basketball. A lot of basketball. Um, the The big news is Colorado lost yesterday against Utah in Utah and will now have the sixth seed in the Pac-12 tournament. That means their first game will be Wednesday night at 8.30 Vegas time, 9.30 Mountain time um, against Washington State. Um, Not at all the result that any of us wanted. Um, If you guys listened to the last podcast, you kind of heard the takes. Allie and I were bought in, thought that they could get the job done. Ryan was hesitant. Um, I don't know. It it was a tough one. It was a tough one, and we're going to talk through that. Um, Hopefully get that done in the first segment because because I don't want to spend too much more time talking about these losses. A four-game losing streak is the longest since the 2016-17 season, which is just pretty crazy to think about, considering what this team was just a few weeks ago. Um, One of the best in the Pac-12, probably the best in the Pac-12, and you know we were still trying to talk about ways that they could find their way into a two-seed or a three-seed in the NCAA tournament. Uh, so yeah, uh, disappointing loss yesterday for a bunch of different reasons. We're going to dig into that. Uh, we're going to dig into everything else that happened in the Pac-12 yesterday. And uh, I'm not sure if we got any comments, um, but I do think that this will be a little bit shorter version of this podcast. Um, first though, I want to tell you guys about InWeGo. Um, it is an incredible service. Uh, it's basically like Netflix for... Tickets. You get to go to all sorts of different events, whether it's concerts, whether it's uh, sports, whether it's food festivals, uh, they have comedy shows. Sometimes they'll just pop up and say, you can go get a free flight of beer at some brewery somewhere. Um, so many cool things that you can do on In We Go, all for just one low monthly price. Uh, 
$45 a month gets you access to four events. You know, I'm recording this Sunday morning and you can get tickets to the Colorado Mammoth lacrosse game this afternoon. The Bucks game against the Nuggets tickets for that are really expensive, but you can get those through in we go for the game tomorrow. Um, Let's see. Then Tuesday, the day after, uh, you can get a free one liter Stein from Prost Brewing. Um, the next day, they have the Avalanche playing the Rangers. There's an axe throwing class. Thundercat, who's actually a pretty cool bassist, but I'll be in Vegas for that, which is too bad. Um, distillery tours. Free flight. Oh, that's a flight from a distillery, too. There's all sorts of different things. Third Eye Blind. Mile High Beer Fest. Uh, Rapids Games. Um, I know, I'm pretty sure all of the Buffs football and basketball games were on there this year. Um it's it's just it seems too good to be true. Monster Energy Supercross at Mile High Stadium, sure. Why not go check it out? There's no reason not to. Um, and the best part is that if you use the code DNVR, you can get your first month free. So essentially, you just get four free tickets to things, and there's no catch or anything. Um, really, no catch. It's it's unbelievable. I, I I guess you have to use the ticket if you get it. There's like a twenty dollar fee if you don't at least go check in. Um, but but no, there's like no real catch. As long as you use the ticket, you're fine. Um, it's how I have so much fun in Denver, and hopefully I'll see you guys at all these events. Again, the code is DNVR to get your first month free. Um, okay, uh, the game yesterday. So. <sighs> I'm assuming most of you watched it if you're listening to this podcast. Um, actually, if you watched it, you might be a little bit less interested in thinking about the bus right now. But I don't think you should be. Uh, um, you know, there were some different takes. It, it was fun. I was over at Blake Street Tavern with some friends. Um, also spent a lot of time with Jake Shapiro, who was there. Um, Chris Fusillet, who owns Blake Street Tavern, who's a huge buff fan. It's part of the reason that... that uh, that bar is just the best place in Denver to go to buffs for, to watch buffs games. You know, I, I don't know if there's another place in town where you can just sit in the main room and have a view of 10 different TVs that are showing the game with the game sound on for every game. Um, it's great. It's the only place I go when I'm not watching like at the event center or I guess like next week while I'm in Vegas. But uh, yeah, also Drew Sherrick was there too. You guys might know from Twitter. But yeah, so th- there were some different takes after the game. Um, for me, uh, I-, I feel I-, I said that I felt better about the team after the game than I did before the game. Um, that was not the widely held view though, which honestly kind of surprised me. Um, I thought the Buffs played really well. They showed some good things. Um, uh, I-, I think that losing in overtime on the road against any conference opponent, especially on senior day, that's not that's not too bad of a result. Like it, it, at the end of the day, it's either a win or a loss. But when you look at how this team played compared to how it was playing the last few games, um, I think it's a lot easier to say they can get things going in the conference tournament. You know, the, the Buffs still are, I believe, the best three-point shooting team in the Pac-12, uh, according to the percentages. But they only made, I think, 25% of their threes yesterday. Shooting is pretty fluky. Um, it's up and down. If, if one more of those goes in at any point in the game, the Buffs win. And if the Buffs win, I don't think that we're having the same conversations that a lot of people want to be having right now. Um, is there something to um, maybe the... I don't even know how to say it. You know, I, I, I'm i not concerned about Tad Boyle. I think he's a very good basketball coach. I think that he should be here for a long time. Um, and he already has kind of been here for a long time. Um all of those bigger things, I think that this was just a bad losing streak. And we kind of knew going into the season that this last stretch was going to be brutal. Um, that's why we were so scared uh, when when they were dropping those games in the middle of conference play. Uh, you know, that Oregon State loss. Um, because we knew that they were going to finish with three games on the road in a conference where it's really, really tough to win basketball games on the road. Um, I didn't think they'd go for 3. Uh, didn't think they'd lose that one at home either to make it a... 0 for 4 stretch but those things happen every team in the country I mean minus 2 or 3 or 4 
uh, has a stretch like that at some point every single season. Um, it's too bad that it's happening right now. Um, it, it, we would all feel a lot better. We'd all be a lot more excited for Vegas if this had happened in November or December and it just took them a little bit longer to get gelling. But uh, that's not what happened. Um, they're still, I think you have to stay in a slump. Although, again, I, I don't think that you go from playing some of your worst basketball of the season to just all of a sudden being back to your very best. Um, I, I don't think it works like that. I think you have to have an in-between game where you're kind of climbing back to what you were. Um, there were still problems. Some of the defensive rotations were botched. Uh, I think there were points where the effort was lacking a little bit. But those problems were nothing compared to what they were for, I mean, the majority of the last two, three weeks. Um, so for me personally, I, I feel better about where the buffs are now than I did before the game yesterday. Um, which and, and that's the first time I've said that in a while. Um, I said the same thing after that Oregon loss, and I don't think people really agreed with me there either. But they looked a lot closer to what they need to be in Vegas. Um, let's see. Getting into the details, so... Utah won 74-72 in overtime. It was it was a frustrating game. Um, you guys, again, probably watched it, but, uh, you know, Both Gatch put up 28 points, um, including three with .6 seconds left in overtime um, because McKinley Wright was called for a shooting foul on a desperation three-point attempt. Um I, I wouldn't have called it. I don't think a lot of you would have called it. I think it's really frustrating that that foul was called. Um, you, you don't see a lot of fouls, and I think Tad pointed this out yesterday. Um, I wasn't in Utah, like I said, but uh, um, uh, he, he said, you know, we, we tell them that you don't really get many calls on fadeaways. Um, and he said he had to go look at the tape to see there was a, the right call and all that kind of stuff. But it was a fadeaway, deep three-point attempt. Um I don't know. I I think my initial reaction was, well, you you don't even, you 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 don't even let it get close to a foul there. Like you 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 don't risk any sort of contact. Um, I don't think it was a foul. I think Kin played it. I it, it's so weird how how those foul calls work because you're a half inch away from either being perfect, like the best possible defense, right on the guy without fouling him, or going just a tiny bit too far and it being a foul. And I think that Kin was on the right side of that line, but he wasn't on the right side by a wide enough margin that it would guarantee you that it's not going to get called. Um, I know in hindsight, it's a lot easier to say, like, just don't even get close to him. Like, if, if he's going to knock that deep three down, then he's going to knock that deep three down. You know, get a hand up, but don't risk touching him. Um, I'm kind of curious your thoughts there. I, I think it starts with being frustrated with the officials, but it's not like it's a surprise that the officials in the Pac-12 blew a call um, or officials anywhere. Uh, we, we haven't talked much about the refs on here. I, I've tried to stay away from it just because I feel like that's the least interesting thing that happens in a basketball game. But when this just keeps happening over and over, you know, Evan Batty gets called for that foul. Um, if you guys follow me on Twitter, you know, it's been every game that I've tweeted, oh, there's the Evan Batty is big foul call. You know, it's not foul, but he's just big. And at some point, the refs are going to call him for one that he doesn't deserve just because of that. It happened late in regulation yesterday. Uh, which is just, it's, it's terrible. It's, it's not good. That, that's not something that should happen. Um, but it, I, I'd be interested in seeing how Pac-12 refs actually compare. And I'm not sure what the metric is. I know that it, Pac-12 football media day over the summer, uh, Larry Scott, the Pac-12 commissioner said that they had an independent review of the Pac-12 football officiating from the season before. You know, they hired whatever firm to go through every call and see whether they all made sense and then also review the other conferences to see whether the, the, the number of good calls and bad calls were similar. Um, and they found that it was pretty, pretty standard numbers compared to the rest of college football. Um, I'm not sure if that's come out, like the full report, whether that's publicly available. Um... But 
right now it seems like all refs are bad. Uh, you look at the NFL, you look at the XFL, even just a couple days ago, I think yesterday even, um, there was the game where on fourth down, one of the teams was up um, with whatever left on the clock. They kneel the ball. His knee hits the ground with three seconds left. And the offense should have taken over right on the edge of the red zone, um, one touchdown away with three seconds on the clock. But the refs botched that call and ended the game. Uh, you look at the NBA, uh, what? I think it was just two days ago that Mark Cuban got fined $500,000 for being so upset about uh, how one of the games ended. I can't remember exactly how that one ended, but I mean, it was definitely a bad call. And, and Cuban, the Dallas Mavericks owner, wanted the game to be replayed the the last two minutes three minutes whatever it was um you look at all the stuff in the nfl over and over and over again that's a story um the, the conversation in the mlb right now is about the cheating but as soon as everybody i, I hope they don't forget that the team's cheated i we don't need to dig into that too much but that's frustrating uh but before that one of the biggest conversations in baseball was about robo you know, because there's there's so much that goes on there. You know, talking to Drew Creaseman, who covers the Rockies for us, uh, talking about Tony Walters, who's likely the Rockies' starting catcher again this year. He uh, he was known as a good pitch framer early in his career, but recently has been looked at as kind of a bad pitch framer, and that really confused me. I was like, has he just lost it? And I don't know enough about baseball to like figure that stuff out for myself. So I asked Drew. I was like, yeah. So wasn't that his reputation, and it changed? And Drew said, yeah. Well. What happens is all the umpires know who the good pitch framers are. And so you start hearing about this guy's a good pitch framer. And so all those borderline strikes that are being called a uh, strike because the catcher is good at making that tiny little movement, just a tiny bit up if the ball's low into the strike zone, the ump starts calling those balls because he assumes that that catcher is just framing the pitch well he's bringing it back into the zone a little bit and it just counteracts it you know it, 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 officiating everywhere is bad and I think that's the big point here um, something needs to change it's it's not okay that this is how it is um, and having watched a bunch of sports having watched a lot of NBA basketball a lot of you know the abs are on right now I watch all of those games I watch all the football games I don't actually watch much XFL but it does seem like the Pac-12 refs struggle more than others. Um, this basketball season as in particular, um, and I think especially in games that Colorado is playing, it seems like it. And I don't think I'm all that biased. And that's one of those things that I noticed, you know, I, I noticed from time to time. Like typically we all look at it the same way. Uh, me and all the other reporters and a lot of the boosters and the fans and whoever, we kind of see things on the same level. But then, you know, after a loss like yesterday, talking with... Jake, who's a little bit more tied to the school, talking with um, Chris Fuselet, who's a booster. You know, they take the losses a little bit differently than I do. Um, a little less optimistically, probably, um, because of their relationship with the school. Um, and that's... Uh, I don't know. I, I, I see what you guys see. It's 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 bad. Um even for somebody who is not really all that biased one way or the other, it, the buffs have gotten some bad calls in clutch moments. Um, there's that argument to be made. You know, if, if you're within three points, if you're within one bad foul call of losing a basketball game, then did you really deserve to win anyway? Well, uh, yes, you did. But I don't know. It, it's tough to win on the road. Um, you, you see that in a lot of ways. You typically don't see it. You know, I don't know, uh, McKinley Wright missing the front end of a one-and-one one with 10 seconds left in overtime uh, with the buffs up one. You know, he knocks those down. It's it's a three-point game, and he can foul whoever he wants to foul. And worst-case scenario is double overtime. Um, and it's easy to say that, but then you remember, you go out on the road and things get tough. Um, we'll see what happens at a neutral site. I don't think it's a conspiracy. I really don't. Um, I, I, I've seen some people say, well, it's the Pac-12 working against Colorado. They don't want Colorado to win. They want to take care of UCLA and USC and Arizona and Oregon. And uh, 
I guess that's probably the, the big ones. Maybe Washington. You could probably throw Washington in there too, but I, I, I don't think it's that. I think it's just bad calls. Um, oh, I don't like talking about the refs. I wish we didn't have to do it. But um, yeah, that was a frustrating way for that game to end. Um, Colorado, again, though, had their chance to put it away. And I hate that argument, but it's the truth. They, they could have done something about it. Um, also, the end of regulation. Um, they, they gave up. Was that where they gave up a shot with like 0.6 seconds to go? I, I think it was 0.6. Oh, no, th- that was the free throws. 0.6 on the clock. Um, when he drained all three free throws to take that two-point lead. <sighs> yeah. Um, they had a chance to lock in a bye. Would have been the first time they ever got a bye. Would have been their their best, uh, best, best regular season ever in terms of wins. Um, and instead, they're tied, so it's one of the four best ever, which is still really good. Um Anytime you're tying your program's all-time wins record, it, it's it should be tough to be disappointed, and so that's that's why this season has been so strange, just because of the the shape it's taken from from them looking like they're going to be Pac-12 champions um, just a few weeks ago. That things would have to go horribly wrong for them not to, and that's exactly what happened. UCLA got really hot. Um, and then they lost that yesterday. All of a sudden, Oregon ends up winning the whole thing, which is pretty crazy. Uh, but, yeah, um, they still had a chance to get the bye. Uh, the, the next game up, I, th- I think it, it was about halftime of the USC-UCLA game. Um, and I th- thinking back, we'll dig into some more of this later, but Colorado needed UCLA to win. They needed maybe Oregon to win. And then they needed one of the two Arizona schools to lose. Is that right? Uh, we'll, we'll talk about that later. So, so they still had a path to a bye. Um, it didn't work out. Um, wound up sixth. Well, let's let's talk about uh, st- the Strawberry Sky real quick, which, again, yesterday gave me a, a much better day than if I had not had a couple of those at Blake Street Tavern. Um, so good. Like I said, it's it's my go-to. I, I try to stay stocked up because they are just the best beer. It's a tiny bit fruity, um, but mostly it's just a good beer. I, I don't really know what else to say. Um, I, I didn't really have too many yesterday, but you know we had like one before we left. Had like two during the game um, and then pretty much just hung out and watched basketball all day. That's why I'm recording this podcast now, by the way, um, because uh, I wanted to talk about the bracket and things weren't set until pretty late last night. Actually, I fell asleep a little bit during that last game. But uh, yeah, that's why this is happening now. Um, Strawberry Sky, it's incredible. Try all their beers. They have some new ones, um, including they just dropped, I think, two, three days ago that uh, Encore Pale Ale. And, you know, this is why we love Breckenridge. This is why we have such a great relationship with Breckenridge at DNVR. It's because the the way that we like to think that we're kind of at the forefront of this next generation of media, you know, having podcasts covering the buffs exclusively, spending an hour a day just talking about the buffs, talking about all these games, writing just about the buffs, um, going to Vegas. And I'm not sure what I'm going to do that's going to be fun content wise for Vegas, but I know that there are a bunch of smart people that are going to help me figure out fun things that we can do that's different than what you can get anywhere else. Um, and that's why we get along so well with everybody at Brackenridge. Like, we have we have a channel at work at DNVR that's just like um, I can't remember it's like creative inspiration or something. So whenever somebody does something cool, you know the ringer has a cool graphic. You know you throw that in there and it's like oh yeah that's cool and you just keep that stuff circulating because we're always curious what's going on. You know those those LSU videos that they produce the football videos. I'm sure you guys have seen those circulating on Twitter. They do a great job, that video team, and it's just good to see that stuff. Even if there isn't really a way for us to do exactly that because we don't have that same type of access, it's good to, it's good to have that in mind. What what uh, the Encore Pale Ale is, is just kind of like that same thing coming from Breckenridge Brewery. They partnered with Lyft, and the way it works is 
if you buy one of the 19.2 ounce cans on the back, there's a code for 50% off a lift ride, which is just like something you never see in beer. But that's the type of stuff that Breckenridge is thinking about. And I don't know, it's, it's impressive stuff. And it's really fun working with them and hearing about all the different things that they have planned. Um, I still haven't tried that one, but I'm sure it's good because everything from there is good. If you want to try it, you can use the Breck Beer Locator on their website, um, and it'll tell you all of the different places you can find it. Um, and there are a bunch. Or any other beer, too. Strawberry Sky. Pick up. Find somewhere that has the Strawberry Sky and that new Encore beer. Also, the Mile High City beer. And just buy, like, a six-pack of each, and you'll be happy for however long it takes you to drink 18 beers. Um... Also, uh, Bojo's Pizza, they're another incredible partner of ours. Um, They're offering a free honey cheese bread with the purchase of an entree if you mention DNVR. Again, it's a great deal. They already put like honey into their crust. That's like their their thing that makes them unique and they make all of it fresh daily. It's locally sourced honey. It's a great deal. Again, if you haven't checked that out, just, just try it because we try to partner with people that you guys will like so that you guys will become customers of theirs and kind of like join this whole family where you're subscribing to us and you're spending time with Breckenridge and Blake Street Tavern and Bojo's um, and just kind of like working together because that's what makes it, it happen, you know? Oh, okay. But uh, yeah, they also have a great salad bar. They have gluten-free pizza, cheeseless pizza, plant-based options. And again, free honey cheese bread with the purchase of an entree if you mention DNVR. Um, that's it. Every location. Okay. Uh, so this, uh, pack 12 tournament, um, the way it works is first, uh, Colorado will play on Wednesday and they'll play at eight 30 Vegas time. That's nine 30 mountain time. Um, and that's the time that they're going to play until they lose pretty much probably. Uh, so Wednesday they'll play at eight 30, uh, if they win that, they'll play Thursday at 8.30. Uh, Friday, they'll play also at 8.30 if they win. Um, and then Saturday, they'll play at 7.30 in the championship if they make it. Um, all those are an hour later if you're going to be in Colorado. Um, those are late games. And I'd be <laughs> I'd be lying if I said that I didn't want Colorado to be playing in those 11 a.m. starts, those noon starts, so that I would have the nights in Vegas free, but... It's a work trip, so I'm not going to complain. Plus, the day, that just means I'm hanging out at the pools. Um, so, yeah. Uh, the, the way the path works is, again, Colorado's number six. That means they do not get a buy. The top four get buys. Uh, but they'll play number 11, Washington State, in the first round. They'll play uh, number three, Arizona State, in the second round if they beat Washington State. Uh, if they win that, then they'll either play number two, UCLA, number seven, Stanford, number 10, California. Um, I like the setup. Um, I think that uh, it's, it's kind of weird to say this, but the difference between getting the four seed and the six seed isn't quite as big in my mind as it probably should be. Um, looking through some of the metrics, you know, the Ken Palm rankings give Colorado the third best chance of winning the whole tournament. Um, they also say there's an 80% chance they beat Washington state in the first round. Um, again, third best chance playing an extra game. This sets up pretty well for Colorado. Again, Oregon's on the other side of the bracket. Arizona's on the other side of the bracket. Washington's on the other side of the bracket. They're kind of getting sneaky hot. Uh, UCLA's or US UCLA's on this side of the bracket, but of these top four teams, Oregon to me is the scariest. I think Arizona is probably scarier than any of the other three, and they're on the other side. Uh, so yeah, I mean, you look at the path that number four USC has to go through. They'll play the winner of Arizona or Washington. Um, Isaiah Stewart from Washington in the post. That's a bad matchup for Colorado. They struggle with these true big men types. Um, they they do really well against a bunch of other players. You know, I, I like Evan Batty in pretty much every matchup unless he's giving up three inches. 
or just that length Isaiah Stewart has. He's going to be a lottery pick. He's going to be really good, and he can he can upset you by himself. Um, he can force you to shoot, and if those shots don't fall, you're stuck. And then Arizona, you know, that's a team that Colorado didn't beat this year, wasn't particularly close with. I mean, it was on the road, and it was also months ago, but they they're scary. Um, Nico Mannion is scary. They they have some guys who can actually play. Um, they can be explosive. Uh, USC has all that length, and Colorado struggled in the post. So I actually don't hate the way this bracket sets up. Um, if they had gotten that five seed instead of the six seed, then I'd be a little bit more nervous. Um, but to be honest, the two teams that scare scare me the most in the entire tournament, Colorado wouldn't see until the championship game. Um, talking about their path now, you know, Washington State, uh, that's a matchup I like. Colorado only played them on the road. Colorado won that game. Um, I think that that's, that's good. Um, uh, I think that that bodes well. You hear more in football than anywhere else that's tough to beat a, a team twice in one season. You know, they have the like book on you they know how to counter you um, meanwhile you're going in with the same game plan likely because it worked the first time um, but you look at this Washington State roster they're led by CJ Ellaby and we'll talk more specifically about this game in the next couple days but he's a 6'6 200 pound forward puts up 18 points per game shooting just under 39% from the field uh, I I like the matchup against Tyler Bay. You know, I think Tyler, if if he's locked in like he can be, um, he can shut him down. He's also coming off a couple of tough games. Um, he played the Arizona schools. Washington State lost both. He doesn't have all that much help around him. Again, Washington State is the 11 seed. But he shot under 30% against Arizona. Shot 2 of 19 against Arizona State. 16 points combined in those two games, four turnovers. Um, he does provide some stuff defensively, especially the steals. Um, but I, I, I think if, if you were to say, what position do you want the opponents or the opposing team's best player to play? You'd probably say something like a small forward, um, maybe like a tweener forward. I don't know. I think like a true small forward. Put Tyler Bay on him, lock him down. Um, point guard's scary. You you trust Kin to do as much as anybody can do, but those are the guys that actually run your team. It's tough to just totally cut them out of an offense the way that you might be able to with Elby. Um, now, all that said, things didn't go all that well against Elby the first time around. Uh, played 28 minutes, put up 15 points, um, five rebounds. Shot 50% from the field and 50% from three. And so that's kind of what you're concerned about is the three-point shooting. Can you make him one-dimensional? He's taken a big step back in that regard this year. He's shooting under 33% after shooting over 41% last year. Um, He's been pretty cold recently, um, especially this weekend, obviously, but... I like the matchup is how we're going to finish this. You know, you look through the results. They lost twice this week. Um, they beat Washington the week before in their only game. Week before that, lost to Stanford and Cal. Week before that, lost to USC, UCLA. Um, before that, they beat Washington. Um, before that, they lost to Arizona. Um, they, I don't know. Uh, I, I think that this sets up well. Colorado beat them by over 20 points on the road. That was one of those Colorado bounce back games that we've seen a few of. And uh, I don't know, maybe you could get another one out of them. Uh, then you go to Arizona State. Um, and and again, like I said, if, if you were to pick a team out of the, the four teams with buys, number one, Oregon, number two, UCLA, number three, Arizona State, number four, USC, I think I'd take Arizona State. I think that's the team that you'd want to play. Um, they're a good basketball team, and they, they aren't the same team that they were when Colorado beat them in their two meetings this year. Uh, you'll remember they beat them in China in the first game of the season. They beat them again about 
a month ago um, on that road trip to Arizona where they lost to Arizona in that only matchup. Um, I I do think that Arizona State could kind of come into that game with a vengeance. Uh, that's that's what my mind jumps to. It isn't Remy Martin could just go off, and he totally could. But but I I worry more about the mindset of that Arizona State team um, because they are locked in now. Um, they they are a much better team and a much more successful team, probably more importantly than they were when Colorado last saw them. I remember that first game of the year. That's just fluky. Um, anything can happen in the first game of the year. Anything can happen when you're in another country. You're getting off these flights. They're dragging you around Disneyland and stuff. Um, Colorado deserved to win. They played better. But also, you know, um, also looking at it, uh, Arizona State has only won one of their last four so all of this stuff that we've been saying about Colorado um, going 0 for 4, can they actually do it at the next level? Um, they just ended a, a, let's see, what was that? That was a three-game losing streak with a win yesterday at home over Washington State, a nine-point win. Um, you want to play cold teams this time of year, and I think... It'd be interesting to get an outsider's perspective on Colorado. Um, Whether they see Colorado as a team that's just kind of like washed out at this point. They had their chance, but they, you know, the flame out. Just typical stuff. Uh, Or do they see it's kind of a sleeping giant. A team that you put in that six seed spot, but really should be up there with the one or the two. I don't know. Um, And I can't say. But... I will say that Arizona State only having that one win and it coming over the second worst team in the conference, a team that Colorado is going to play um, on Wednesday. It's good. You do look before that when they had the, had the long winning streak that really got them to where they are now in that three seed, beating Washington, beating UCLA, beating USC, beating Stanford, beating Cal, beating Oregon, beating Oregon State. That's a seven-game winning streak. Um, so I don't know uh, you, you see what they are when they're at their best I uh, I really like Remy Martin he's a lot of fun to watch um, I do think that when you're talking about the point guards in this conference though you know it's, it's Peyton Pritchard and McKinley Wright up at the very top um, Remy Martin behind him I think that there is a separation in tiers right there. And it makes sense. You look at the Bob Cousy Award finalists, the top 10 point guards in the country, Peyton Pritchard, McKinley Wright, both on that list. Remy Martin's not. Um, he can fill it up. He can take some wild shots, but if he gets hot, he's really, really tough to stop. Um, also, Alonzo Verge, the other half of that backcourt, he's what makes them so scary I think um, obviously like I said Remy Martin can go win you games but having a strong backcourt duo that's that's tough to stop you know you, you need two guys who can stop um, those guards from scoring whereas a lot of these teams you you only need one um, and then of course uh, they have uh, Romello White didn't have him in the first game um against Colorado last time when the one game he did play against Colorado uh, he went 9 of 12 from the field um, he he scored 19 points um, that's the most points he's scored all season and again he's a 6'8 235 big man and sometimes those types of guys have given the buffs some problems um, Arizona State I think my biggest takeaway here is that they are they are not the same team that they were uh, when Colorado lost last saw them. Um, but again, they've gone a little bit cold after that big hot streak. Um, I don't know. They've also you could look at it another way and say they've won seven of their last eleven and that looks a lot better. So uh, those are those are the two games Colorado needs to win to get into Friday, the semifinal. Uh, where they'd likely play UCLA. Uh, 
UCLA is a good basketball team, obviously. They're extremely hot. They lost that game to USC, but before that, they'd won, I think, also seven in a row. Um, and that was a close game against USC. They they could have pulled that out. 54-52. Um, shots weren't falling. Um, Tiger Campbell has really come on. Um, they're, they're freshman point guard. You know, I... I I'd still rather play UCLA than Oregon or USC or Arizona. This bracket sets up well, um, which means that it's just kind of on Colorado to get back to playing the way we all know they're capable of playing. And I think that they took a step in that direction yesterday, and I'm not nearly as scared about this tournament now as I was before. Um, I'm curious to hear your thoughts, though, because it is true that they blew another lead. I also look at it from the other perspective of they built a pretty nice lead by playing some good defense for stretches, um, from making some shots, um, running the offense, you know, not having too many turnovers. Uh, they're they're close. I do think that they're close, and that's not a thought that I've had from watching a game. You know, talking to them at practice, they've said they think that they're kind of figuring things out, the effort's back, but we've seen on the court. Uh, I mean, 14 combined offensive rebounds allowed and turnovers. There, there have been games where they've topped that in each of those categories. Um, McKinley Wright filled it up. Um, Tyler Bay, six of nine from the field. Evan Batty, six of seven from the field. Um, those are good numbers. You just want efficiency out of the post. You want some shots out of the wings. Um, your guards and if Shane Gatling knocks down just a couple of shots. If Deshaun Schwartz knocks down a couple of shots, Lucas Seward um, can can put points on the board. You know, those three only combined um, for five points. Those three. And those are your third through sixth best players. The fact that they were in that game, that just goes to show that these, these, these big three in McKinley Wright, Tyler Bay, and Evan Batty are starting to put things together. Um, and now they just need a little bit of help, a little bit of support from everybody else. Um, maybe Eli Parquet, Maddox Daniels can do that, but uh, I think it has to be Deshaun. Um, it has to be Seward, and it probably has to be Gatling. Okay, uh, before we get into the comments, I want to tell you a tiny bit about... Uh, Oh, wait, actually, Ryan's going to tell you about Blake Street Tavern. What's up, guys? Ryan Koenigsberg here, and I got to tell you about the Blake Street Tavern. It's my favorite sports bar in town, as evidenced by the fact that we had our fantasy draft there. It's where I watched Super Bowl 48. It's where I watched CU win a Pac-12 basketball championship back in the day. Uh, it's the place to be for any sporting event. It's the biggest bar in town. I always joke you could land a 747 in there. It was named the National Sports Bar of the Year in 2017 by Nightclub and Bar Magazine. It wins Best Sports Bar in Denver seemingly every year from Westward and anyone else that's voting. It's the place to be. Uh, they've got great specials, and the food is out of this world. I recommend the nachos, the green chili fries, uh, the buffalo chicken wrap, you name it, they've got it. And the location is perfect. Just two blocks north of Coors Field, and they have parking. So go check out the Blake Street Tavern. Only one comment today comes from Silver Buff, who says, Bay being hot and cold is simply an effort issue. That should be a big red flag for his NBA hopes. I wouldn't be surprised to hear he decided weeks ago to declare and is just cruising through the end of the season. Yep. Um, I don't know if I'll agree to all of it. Um but yes, the, the hot and cold thing, a lot of it does seem to be an effort issue. Um, I think that when you're talking about the lack of effort we've seen um, from this team, and we've talked a lot about it, um, it's everybody. We've seen McKinley Wright go through stretches, Shane go through stretches, certainly. Um, Evan doesn't look like himself. Uh, everybody. We've, we've seen these possessions where they just don't seem to care um also in practice we've we've heard a lot of people talk whether it's lucas seward whether it's tad whether it's anybody um about the lack of effort and practices and how that's kind of influenced how they've played in these last stretch of games um but if you had to pick one person to be the face of that problem 
I would also pick Tyler. Um, and in a lot of ways, when your most talented player is the one who is not necessarily giving 100% effort on every possession, you would see how that would trickle down to the rest of the team. Uh, how other guys would see that and be like, oh, that's what we're doing. Um, and it's it's not good. It's it's not okay. Um, I do think he looked better yesterday. I still think that there were some stretches um, where he looked a little bit vacant. But for the most part, he was active. Uh, he seemed bought in. Um, and you need that. You really need that. He's not somebody who can take a game off. You know, if, if Shane takes a game off, I mean, it sucks. It really sucks. You, you, it's bad for the team. It really hurts your chances of losing, but not in the same way that Tyler Bay being a shell of himself, which he has been for these last couple of weeks, affects how the team plays, how the, the result of the game. Um, it's It's weird when you're talking about effort because... It seems like at any point they could just turn it back on um, with with the tournament being one of the best opportunities to do that um, because it is just a new environment. Like like Tad kept saying yesterday, it's a new season. Um, and if there's a time to flip that switch, it would seem like it's then. Um, I, I, I think that they tried to flip the switch yesterday. I think that they were successful in stretches. I think that that was kind of the game they needed to get back into a rhythm, even though they did lose. Um, but I think, like I've been saying, I feel better about their chances in the tournament today than I did, you know, at 9.30 a.m. yesterday. Uh, and that's, that's good. Um, not nearly as good as I would have felt if they have gotten a bye. Um, but you look at how this bracket lines up and... For, for winding up without a buy, things couldn't have gone much better. Um, it'd actually be kind of fun to go through and rank who has the best spot in the tournament. Um, I think I'd say UCLA does um, because they play Stanford or Cal in the first round. They play, or I guess in the second round because they get the buy. Then they play Arizona State, Colorado, Washington State in the next round. Um but yeah, uh, I, I don't like where Arizona or Washington is. I think that they are playing maybe the two scariest teams right now, with Colorado being right in that conversation too of, of the teams that didn't get a bye. Um, USC has to play the winner of that game first, and then Oregon to get into the final. So yeah, a bye would have been great. Um, setting the record would have been great. Um, getting the one seed and having a a banner on the way already would be ideal, but they didn't deserve that, and they caught a lucky break with how this bracket turns out. Um, yeah, uh, I'm excited to see the tournament, and I was really worried that I wouldn't be excited. Um, I mean, I knew I'd be excited for Vegas, but but excited actually to see Colorado play Washington state, to see him play Arizona state, to see him play likely USC and then Oregon in the final. The path is there. Oh, we just have to see if they take advantage. Um, that's going to do it for today. Uh, if you guys like the show, be sure to leave a review. Um, give me five stars on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you listen. Um, and also if you're a member at DNVR, then you get to, uh, you get to comment on these podcasts and I'll talk with you about whatever you're thinking, answer your questions, whatever. Um, it's going to be a fun week. I'm really excited. I'm glad you guys are going through this with me. Hopefully some of you will be out in Vegas too. Uh, let's talk tomorrow. Bye. I think they like my Colorado Swag. My Colorado swag, my Colorado swag, my Colorado swag. My-
My Colorado swag yeah. is pushing 180. Speed and pad competition. See you later, baby. baby. Colorado Army with soldiers like the Navy. Yeah. And voters where we stationed, patiently awaiting. Yeah. When I hit the field, it's so hard to behave. Yeah. I'm Colorado swagging as the crowd do the wave. Look into my eyes, I can tell that you afraid. Uh-huh. Cause you know we finna hit you. Hit you. Hit you. Hit you. Hey. Hey. you on your own now. Why you watching the official? Yeah. You just better hope you make it to the next whistle. Yeah. And we ain't playing with you, you can get it anytime. Yeah. It started at the scrimmage, we gon' win it at the line. Yeah. My Colorado swag in the middle of the ring. Green. Throwing blows, knocking down team after team. I think they like my Colorado swag, cause when I'm in that play, I don't really, I don't really know just how to act. And when I'm in that go, you know I'm acting bad. Get a bus with my Colorado swag, my Colorado swag, my Colorado swag. I think they like, I think they like my Colorado swag, my Colorado swag, my Colorado swag. Man, I swear I think they like my Colorado swag. Have you ever seen a ram? Nine bow to Colorado. Buffalo is what I am. All the teams come and follow. When I start, hit the field. The opposing crowd swallow. Cause they know I'm about to kill. He gon' feel that tomorrow. Whole team full of water. Got me feeling tribal, big 12, here we come We ain't worried about arrival If you want it, come and get it, we'll wait for your arrival When you hit this frozen field, man, it's all about survival Why you make it, why you make it, yeah, you better bring your Bible Crack back, blind side, flat line, no revival Get them bucks, get them bucks, mess them up, we say we got them If we don't, then we'll get them When we see them, then we have them like my Colorado sway, cause when I'm in that play Man, I swear I think they like my Colorado swag.